don't be discouraged if you do a TikTok or a Facebook reel or an Instagram reel and you get 22 views, yeah. 236 views, 2000 views, because you're one video away from it being 2.5 million yeah. and it's blowing up your page, leading to more DMs or sales or retargetability for business owners. Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. If you're doing it the right way anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. What's going on, everybody? Today, I'm making friends with Sean Cannell. Sean is a YouTuber, international speaker, and coach that helps entrepreneurs build their influence and income with online video. Sean's YouTube channels have over 1 million subscribers. His videos have been viewed over 100 million times. He's been featured in the 20 must-watch YouTube channels that will change your business by Forbes. He's also a Vegas local. This is his second time here on the show. And so this conversation was a lot more free-flowing. We talked about uh, how valuable it is to be on TikTok. We talked about a traffic source a video source that you probably are not on, which is something to do with Pinterest. We talked about the future of video, what's working on YouTube currently that was not working a little uh, a little while ago and where he thinks uh, YouTube is going to end up. So if you are an entrepreneur who has any sort of desire to have a presence online with video, which should be every single entrepreneur listening to this show, then you're definitely going to want to check out my conversation with Sean Cannell as well as give him a follow across all of his social channels. He just came out with a, new, a newly revised version of his book, YouTube Secrets, uh, which I highly recommend picking up as well and thumbing through because there will be some very practical and tactical information in that book that will help you explode your online influence in 2023 and beyond. So without further ado, here is my conversation with one of my favorite dudes in Vegas, Sean Cannell. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Travis Makes Friends. Today, I'm making friends with Sean Cannell. Sean, what's up, dude? Welcome to the show. Travis, I'm so fired up to be with you. Thanks for having me. Part two, man. Part two. So if you're if you're watching, if you're listening right now, and you want to hear a little bit more nitty gritty about Sean's history and how he got to where he is, then you're going to want to go check out episode 492 of the podcast because we go into we go into the whole story from A to Z. So today I'm going to kind of start where we left off and talk more about the new book YouTube Secrets second edition that you guys just came out with updated which is, you know, a necessary thing just because of the culture, the landscape of, you know, video content online. So let's start let's start with the basics man and let's talk about some vertical video. I know vertical video has been something that's been for performing like crazy. It seems like every every platform since TikTok took over YouTube for watch hours, you know, whatever that was a year ago, has been optimizing for just this kind of short form, quick hit, dopamine inducing vertical video. So, so let's start there. What what are you finding? What are what are some trends that maybe people don't know about? One of the mo things we're most excited about right now is vertical video. I think on YouTube, YouTube launched YouTube Shorts mm -hmm. as an answer to definitely TikTok. And one of the frustrating parts of that was at first it made people's YouTube pages really messy. People are like, oh, it's messing with the long form experience. But they recently just updated the user interface to now on a channel on mobile and desktop, videos are separate from shorts, are separate from live streams. Huh. So we can see YouTube's fully committed to shorts. Is it showing you one first? 
It shows videos first. Okay. And you have to actually select the tab of shorts. Of course, discoverability on people's homepages, there's a shorts feed or shelf. There's other videos. They're interwoven. That'll always be changing. Yeah. YouTube also is going to February 2023 start sharing 45% of monetization with creators. And that means that in a batch of videos, an actual video ad will play. So you'll see a short, you'll see a short, you'll see a video ad, you'll see a couple more shorts. And somehow they'll be calculating that if you're getting a lot of views, there's a real monetization opportunity for Absolutely. vertical video on YouTube. Of course, additionally, TikTok is blowing up. But I think some of the slept on opportunities are Facebook reels. Okay. And so we recently had a Facebook reel hit 19 million, 3 million. I think when you're playing in a vertical video world, <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. And, and you've got Instagram reels, you've got Facebook reels. You can upload these same vertical video assets you're creating on LinkedIn. And another one is Pinterest vertical video. I was actually recently on a trip to Israel and I was with a creator and he showed me he'd made $13,000 from the Pinterest beta video platform No way. in the last six months. And I was like, Okay, hang on. First of all, I didn't know Pinterest had vertical video, yeah. let alone a beta creator program, right. let alone what are we even talking about? So, yeah. <laughs> um, and so what's fascinating is I think the opportunity to be creating intentional vertical video, because at Think Media, we're uploading 300 pieces of content a week. We're creating, we're investing a lot in whether it's video editors and intelligent strategists that are not just editing, because it's deep. It's about thinking about the hook. It's about thinking about but we're really then just being selective. Okay, are we uploading these on TikTok, Instagram Reels? Do they go to Facebook Reels? How should we position this as a YouTube short? Yeah. And we'll take one video asset and essentially upload it on six platforms. Right. And we'll even upload that same asset three or six months later. And so the flywheel effect can really take hold and we're experiencing that. And I think what people should know is that it's something, it's a strategy to commit to and don't be discouraged if you do a TikTok or a Facebook reel or an Instagram reel and you get 22 views, yeah. 236 views, 2,000 views, because you're one video away from it being 2.5 million yeah. and it's blowing up your page, leading to more DMs or sales or retargetability for business owners. Yeah, that's been the most interesting thing about you know the content we've been putting out because we, we're doing a lot more video lately. Uh, we, we traditionally have done more audio podcast type stuff, but Lately, we've been doing a lot of video and a lot of this kind of short form repurposed, you know, just like a conversation exactly like the one that we're having. You know, there's going to be videos that are cut up from this conversation and put across every single one of those platforms. How do you view the actual creation now from the perspective of somebody who's not a full-time creator, right? We're like, because it's your job, it's my job. Like as creators, we have like, it's part of what we do. It's just yeah. in our weekly calendar, we, just, we, we create content. But for somebody who's a business owner, they're an entrepreneur or something, they have all these other things they're trying to worry about. They're trying to worry about this project management, management software. And if it's telling the right employee to do the thing at the right time, how are you looking at it in terms from a of a creation perspective to be able to fill up all those platforms with 300 pieces of content every week? I think there's two pieces. The first piece I would think is, is I believe that social media in a 2023 and beyond world is a team sport. Mm. And if, the, if you're talking to me about a business owner who's deploying funds on other departments in terms of hiring employees or contractors is spending money on ad spend, I think they should rethink investing in content and hiring somebody to be doing what, to handle what we're talking about. There's a good book called Who Not How. Hmm. How am I going to do 300 pieces of content a week? How am I going to edit this? How am I going to even manage a 
editor from Upwork or Fiverr because it, it takes on my time because they don't understand. Right. Wrong question. You don't have the right who. It's not how am I going to, even if you had contract VAs, you need a who, who really understands this. Totally. And that you train into this. Absolutely. The return on investment of dollars, I think is proven if you stick with it. I think it's interesting to see Alex and Layla Hermosi, who are based here in Vegas, my friend and, and someone I got to mentor early on, Caleb Ralston is now full-time for them building out their content department. I think they're spending over $100,000 a month in content. Yeah, in just the creation of it. The creation of yeah. organic content. So, you know, success leaves clues, depending on your business model, you should just reverse engineer that to a small scale for yourself. So I think step one is who are you hiring to help you with this? But step two is also, you still have a lot of responsibility as the content creator. Yeah. Meaning here would be the case study. I recently flew to Miami to do a number of things. One of which I was able to sit down with Patrick Bet David at Valuetainment. We toured their office and I had a conversation with them. I was very thoughtful about the structure of that conversation. And one of the things that I covered was a lot of trending topics, not just to tap into the trending topics, but because he is like a book of information sure. that is yeah, yeah. intelligent about everything at all times yeah. in regards to like finance, entrepreneurship, content. He has like real thoughtful opinions about thoughtful a multitude opinions. of things. Yeah. So I saw this opportunity. And so I went into the conversation thinking about the micro ahead of time, thinking about the vertical video ahead of time. Interestingly enough, once we released the video podcast, I was very anxious and disappointed with the results. Like it mm. just was not doing very well. Was in terms of the full interview? In the full interview, okay. it was it had a very lower views than almost everything, which I also, I don't need one, I don't think he would see. Two, if he did though, I was like, man, I don't want to waste his time. Yeah, yeah. Like this was terrible. But then we got to work on chopping out the clips and exactly what I planned actually exceeded my expectations. And we're, we're probably only 20% into the clips that are possible from yeah, this. Right, right. And that was one of the clips went 25 million on TikTok, 20 million on Facebook. Yeah. Another couple have hit multiple millions. These have led to growth of our TikTok in our, our Facebook and his team saw the clips we pulled yeah. and took the clips for their own clips channel as well, which was kind of maybe a layoff of reciprocal value add, a layup of reciprocal value add back to them. So all that to say is I think your thoughtfulness of being aware, not ruining your long form content, but mm -hmm. e whether it's the questions you're asking, moments of communication, learning how to develop your communication style to yeah. speak into bite-sized, digestible, thoughtful, clippable moments, and not being overwhelmed by everything I'm saying, because for the business owner, they'd be like, dear God, this right. is, I'm just trying to, but realizing this would be the skill set to continually work on for the next decade. Like this is the world and how it's communicating. Sure. Get the team, get the system, get the mindset, sharpen your skills and commit to this because those who master the content game in this decade are going to win. Yeah, dude, I, I'm totally on board with for what you're saying. And, and I, I asked you that question specifically because I wanted to see if it was at all similar to how I'm thinking about it. And it was very much the same way. So um, I saw Mr. Beast talking about this on a podcast that he was a guest on. And he, he was talking about how now is like the best time to start podcasts and why when and podcasts are king right now, because of exactly what you were just talking about. He was like, forget the, I forget what show it, it was that he was a guest on, but he was saying, you know, whatever this show gets, you know, it gets a million downloads, whatever this, this episode will get a million views. But he was like, but all the clips that your team is going to take from all the stuff that we're talking about, they're going to be posted on seven different channels on seven different platforms. And while this interview might not, might, might only get a million, 
you know, if you combine all of the clips and all of the impressions that you're going to get from everything that's cut up from this, it could be a hundred million yep. by the time you're done with it. And for me, when it comes to, when it comes to, whenever I talk to business owners that are talking about this stuff and they're like, well, it's just, impo- how do I do this all? And it's like, just don't, don't get too overwhelmed by it. Don't sit down. A lot of people like think that they have to like sit down and just record clip after clip after clip after clip. And it's like, just put together one show. And when I say show, I mean show. Like, don't just, you know, everybody's like, start a podcast, start a podcast. Like, don't start a podcast, create a show. Like something with segments where you ask those more clippable questions and then you have like a body of the interview where it's more conversational story, you know, telling. And then you're giving your, your, your team, even if it's only one person, you're giving them a ton of stuff to pull from. And one interview, one conversation with somebody over 30, 40 minutes can be your entire posting uh, cadence for an entire week, potentially two weeks, three weeks. And and the best thing about it is like, my team literally just uh, released uh, some clips of me interviewing Grant Cardone. And like a week ago, somebody was like, hey, I saw you uh, interviewed Grant recently. That's really cool. I was like, yeah, that interview was like four years ago. Yeah. You know, but the content, the clip was still super relevant. It was, you know, an evergreen clip. So we're able to take a clip from an interview four years ago and post it today makes it look like I just interviewed Grant and the content's still really relevant and it got shared and brought in more like attention and impressions into the, you know, everything else that we're working on. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very bullish right now on just like, look, don't worry about setting that something up with perfect lighting and a beautiful studio and like talking directly into the camera, like talking head style. Like you don't have to sit here and script all this stuff on top of everything that you're doing. Just like one show format, a few segments in the show format and bring on interesting people. Just do that. And yes. then clip everything and put it everywhere. Be omnipresent. Brilliant. Yeah. When along the way, did you guys start doing interviews on, on your stuff? Cause I know for a while you were very much like YouTube talking head. Yeah. You taught YouTube videos and that's just, that's what you did. You reviewed gear and were just very much like creator heavy, creator specific. And along the way, you're just kind of like, Oh, I saw a shift in your brand where you started moving just from like, Hey, here's how to start a YouTube video into more like, here's a bunch of other reasons to follow me, including the people that I know and the people I'm having conversations with. Yeah. I mean, I think one project that's, paused or, or shut down now is called video influencers. So that was in preparation for the book. My friend Benji co-author and I have a whole separate channel and we got to about a hundred plus interviews of entrepreneurs using YouTube or YouTube creators. And that was also foundational for the book. So that was a, a lot of baseline interview stuff. And then there was a pause to your point. And we were, there's a lot of tech reviews, YouTube videos, but it was when we launched a video podcast called the think media podcast. And now we are on episode 150 or something. We started a dedicated YouTube channel and it's a lot of solo rounds, but we just are flexible with the format because interviews can be so valuable mm-hmm. and the consistent value proposition of the podcast is, is YouTube is really what everything centers around. Of course, that splinters into, we just did a whole three-part series on taxes because you know you got to mm-hmm. do that stuff too. But like, yeah. but with the, the, that person who's building a business around YouTube or leveraging YouTube to grow their business, and then getting back into interviews. So I actually go back a long time. There was a project 10 years ago called Think International where we did a lot of faith-based Christian author, leader, pastor okay. interviews and stuff too. So yeah, I'm deeply passionate about the format. I've, I've jumped, dipped my toes in and out of it. And now this kind of an interesting nugget related to interviews is Nolan Moult and Omar are both content creators on Think Media. They just recently went to Vid Summit and just dropped some bangers 
but they were all 10 minutes. So they shot with Roberto Blake, Harris Heller, who, who does stream beats. He's built this massive free royalty free music that streamers use. And his level of plays and impressions is just unending because the Twitch streamers play it all day, every day. Right. And then the pennies he gets from Spotify has turns into tens of thousands of dollars because he's created the highest quality free library of streaming music, among other things, big YouTuber and stuff. So what's fascinating is I also, I like doing a little bit longer format, chopping stuff down, but they just, our Think Media main channel, essentially rather than thinking video podcast, it was more like one topic, one guest, one topic, one video, about under 10 minutes once it was edited. Mm -hmm. I think what Colin and Samir are doing is also kind of interesting as well. I know they're going longer format, but they're almost taking the interview just as the foundation of a conversation. And then they edit it into a more dynamic YouTube video that's eight to 12 minutes or something like that. So Mm. yeah, we are, I think it's a very important and powerful format. And I think there's a lot of different ways you can slice it in today's world. That's not just the traditional thing that you've seen everybody do. Like, tell me your story, tell me your whatever and going through it, but actually bringing on a guest and like co-creating content in this kind of format. What is your understanding of everything going on with TikTok right now? Just from a creator's perspective, you know, obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are vehemently against it. There's yeah. a lot of people in the middle, which is probably the majority of people. And there's some people that are just like, oh, those whack jobs talking about you shouldn't be on TikTok. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Without getting super political here, do you have yeah. any opinion on in terms of like what the actual like privacy policies and the data that they're collecting, what that means? Yeah. All I know is this is number one, from my personal perspective, I kind of gave up my privacy a long time ago. Yeah, my, by my decision of getting on the internet was like, I didn't think this was going to be private, you know? And I guess what if they, you know, study my viewing behavior and they use that information? I guess the other, and actually with empathy to the audience, what if they're curating the content to influence the youth of America to sure. shift our political persuasion. I know there's, there's a conspiracy theory that all we see is dancing and, and like really low quality content that's making us dumber. And all that they see in China is education content. What was super funny was (laughs) I heard that when I was, what it was, uh, Andrew Schultz who made a joke about that. And then he admitted, he goes, I just made that up. He goes, I actually made that up for a joke. (laughs) It was based on no data. We clipped it and then people said, can you believe? It's truth. It's truth. <laughs> yeah. So even, oh, even theories about what could be happening, you know, who even knows? So, so, and, and I'm also very empathetic to the fact that um, many people would agree that TikTok is, is dangerous for Generation Z, especially because it is making them dumber. And that is true. Like, you go to the social dilemma and you go that the people who run the algorithms of all the social media platforms don't let their own kids use the platforms. We have had our two-year-old, he's not even getting screen time. I didn't believe it was possible. And it's also probably sad he had it for a while there, but we're like, we realized like now he plays with toys and reads books and like doesn't mm-hmm. even miss his phone. Um, and so yet I am pumping out content on TikTok. And of course uh, we, I would say we're targeting, you know, millennials, young and sure, elder millennials sure. and, and business content. Nevertheless, I guess I really understand the tensions on both sides. I also very much believe that TikTok could get shut down depending on where you know officials get voted in in the next couple of years. In the meantime, 
as a business owner and modern marketer, I think it's a, a tool that if you've got a mission, a product, a service, a message, that would be foolish to ignore. And I'm also, my conviction is, you know, don't curse the darkness, light a lamp instead. Yeah. And so I know that there's maybe a lot of mindless or, or uh, sometimes they, like they call them shock jocks. That's what it's, that's the old term, the yeah, entrepreneurs yeah. in fake news or just drama or, you know, yeah. that are kind of just playing on the lowest common just, denominator. Yeah, brain numbing. Yeah. yeah. Or just all drama, all slander, all whatever. Yeah. Negativity. And so it's like, yeah. listen, okay, that's happening. But meanwhile, we're putting out valuable educating content that's right. going to help people make money, build their business. Plus we're putting out positive. I put out stuff that's talking about my faith. So listen, I'm just trying to do my part yeah. and, and use the tool. And I am, I have business agenda with that, but also just a, an impact agenda. And I hope, I don't think that the answer is to shrink back because if, if good people with powerful messages and redeeming, edifying content don't publish it, then the vacuum gets filled with mind-numbing, mindless content. So yeah, I mean, I can kind of see it from both sides. For us, we're, we're kind of, I wouldn't say we're going all in on TikTok, but we are investing very intentionally in TikTok and... For example, we have an agency that we're working with that we pay 4K a month for 31 TikToks. Mm. It actually happens to be a TikTok first agency. They're thinking okay. about a little bit more, like the hook is to hook a kind of a younger generation, which I would argue is every generation. Because just because it works for Gen Z, it doesn't mean it doesn't work for, it just means it's that much more progressive and quick and sure. grabbing of attention. So they're, they're thoughtfully grabbing it. They are logged into our TikTok account. They upload for us. There's no review process. I, I check in and I'm like, I don't know if I would have posted that. Like that was a little bit, I don't know if I would have picked that moment. Like there's some, I'm like, I see why it's working. I told a story recently about in high school. So I got expelled from high school and why I got expelled. And I was like, wow, they really went for it. Like he saw the juiciness of that story and he just put that out front and center. And I was kind of like, I also kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Cause I was like, if I was the red tape, he's totally. thinking a different way than I am. And whatever, we could always take it down and and it is what it is. I mean, it's obviously out there in a niche podcast. I got 160 views. Now it's getting thousands and getting shared and getting tagged. Did you hear this about Sean? I was like, wow, it's, it's super funny. Yeah. Saying that him posting those videos, that's TikTok first. Again, we now have 31 vertical video clips. Here's also what we're paying for. We don't even give any feedback. He watches our stuff yeah. or his team yeah. watches our stuff. You're already pulls, making all the content. He pulls yeah. the clips and then TikTok's also kind of like a testing ground where some of them were like, oh, that's that's great. Yeah. And then we move that over to Reels. We post it as a YouTube short. And so when I think about TikTok, I, I don't think about it in isolation. I think yeah, about yeah. it, each one is kind of an opportunity to expand the content across multiple platforms. Yeah, it's funny bring up the word isolation. That's what I always talk about when people ask me about podcasts versus everything else. And it's just like, it's all pros and cons, right? Because like the audio, the, the, in terms of an audio podcast, yeah. it's like, that's to me the last frontier of something existing in isolation <laughs> because it truly, like you're not like, what are you doing? What else are you doing with that audio? The audio goes one place and it stays there. Mm -hmm. The consumption is different. The people listening to it are different people. They tend to be higher educated. They tend to have uh, more household income. Uh, they tend to be more interested in continued education that like the the entire consumption of the media is different and then you look at every other social platform and they're all linked together which also has pros and also has cons yeah and so it's like why not just be everywhere and doing all these things like you said like just like you did the video podcast like cool now you're on audio platforms in terms of an audio for people who like to drive and listen to podcasts 
but you're also still obviously completely focused on YouTube where you've been for the last decade. And now you have stuff going out on TikTok and Facebook Reels, Instagram Reels, freaking Pinterest vertical videos, something I didn't even think about. And then now we're looking at like, okay, how can we start putting this stuff into like a blog post? How can we, ter- how can we purpose this into a Substack newsletter? and bring in like more email subscribers and things like that. Like it's all kind of going in the same direction may as well be everywhere because it's free to be everywhere. You just got to, you know, put some sort of a concerted effort into, into making sure that the core of what you're doing is focused on the long-term mission of whatever it is, your business, your content, whatever. And that it's actually good quality stuff. 100%. <laughs> Not just throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping right. it sticks. I'm curious to hear your perspective from, for YouTube specifically, if you're starting from scratch today, what's the best way to tackle a YouTube channel in terms of subscriber growth, not necessarily fully monetization when it comes to Google AdSense. I know that's kind of all over the place sometimes, but purely from like a, if we're going to start a channel from zero, you know, the one, two, three, how do we get to our first hundred thousand subs? Yeah. So there's two things, two strategies I would say. One resonating with your core message is I really would start a video podcast from a simplicity, sustainability, especially for business owners who are probably going to be more education. Earlier this year, a document from Alphabet, the parent company of Google and YouTube leaked 75 pages on their on YouTube's plans for podcasting. Mm. And you can go to youtube.com forward slash podcast right now to sort of see the beginnings of they really want people to be podcasting. They hired an executive for it. They invested half a million dollars into audio only podcasts to get them doing video to try to get some shows over there. They got a bunch of NPR shows. They invested like 300K to get NPR shows going. So YouTube is bullish on podcasting. And already also a fact is that YouTube is the number one podcast platform in America, bigger than Spotify and Apple. And I think That shouldn't be surprising because when you have Impulsive, Logan Paul, and H3H3, and even JRE Clips, if they count that, it's just the bigger place by sheer volume of users. And that's what the stats are revealing. So saying that, getting into the video podcasting game would be, I don't know if it would be the fastest path to 100,000 subscribers, although I could break down a strategy to what I would do. I would start not just a boring podcast, but a show. I would go long form. You know, you could even look at what Patrick Bed David does. He goes live for two hours, Tuesday and Thursday with other people co-hosting. They do cover a lot of different topics. And then they immediately get to work with, you have your show and then you can go clips. You could keep this all on the same channel. Your clips are going to be your real growth opportunity. Okay. So but if, you recommend if, same channel though. Don't have clips channel. Don't have... I'm not saying I recommend that, but if you're starting from scratch with kind of minimal resources, I would keep it all in the same channel. It's better channel. be focused on It'd one channel. It'd be focused on one channel because yeah. that's where the hyper growth would be triggered. And I think the mistake people make is they think too much about segmentation early on. You're serving different audiences. And on one channel, I would upload your full length show on Tuesday, a good clip from that on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and two shorts from it on Saturday and Sunday. And immediately you could be seven days a week with only the one show. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you structured your show to be thoughtful about all of those being great, your path to growth are probably going to be the, the right clip at the right time with the right title and the right topic and the right thumbnail. Mm. And, and then that brings a new awareness. People start to resonate with you and they subscribe and they start maybe watching the longer form show or they yeah. just stick with the clips. I think about my own consumption habits and there's a lot of people I stay in touch with. I've never listened to a two hour PVD podcast sure. in my life. I've, sure. I've never listened to a two hour Dave Ramsey podcast. Dave Ramsey is interesting because he has a two hour call-in show daily. He has different personalities with him, 
but his his main YouTube channel is essentially a clips channel. And out mm. of his longer form show, he's getting 20 million views a month from <laughs> clips and he's answering specific questions quite literally because people are calling in. Yeah. So, and then to your point, you now have those clips coming out, a couple shorts coming out, you've got the show coming out and you've also then distributed that to yeah. all the audio platforms. And then whatever you've turned into YouTube shorts and even the clips, you could upload those in there in, uh, to the other platforms as yeah. well. And so you've at least created the greatest form of leverage. And the strategy we're outlining right now is no small feat, even if you keep it simple. Sure. I mean, we're talking about seven unique cuts a week, you know, and uploads, and then the distribution across platforms. Sure. However, that is relatively sustainable because your creativity works best in constraints. So those are kind of maybe the constraints I would put around getting started. Yeah. The main business owner becomes responsible to really think about that one show hire or delegate and getting agencies or contractors to help them around that. And then to try to hit, you kind of want to like graduate JV before you go pro. And that would sort of be like, can we sustain this? This is great. Show's coming out. The clips are coming out. The shorts are coming out. We're hitting up the other platforms. This is sustainable. We got team and systems. You don't go to 300 pieces of content a week and do that well from zero to 60. It takes unless you got deep pockets. Unless unless you got deep pockets. And I would argue you still might not be doing it well. Yeah, sure. Because you sure. rushed to volume without getting your holding your quality consistent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It all that'd almost be like having a local brick and mortar store and expanding to too many states. Right, right. Like maybe expanding your city, but like so so growing your team and systems and communication and consistency. Because everything that could happen is you might also have three great months. But then you just completely fall off. You probably see that happen a lot. People start shows and they don't even keep them going. So even just, oh, you know what? It's been going great. We were once a week. Let's go to two a month in. Wait for some different seasons, man. You might, you know, you get into a tough season in your marriage, tough season in your business, one of your key players leave, some different stuff's happening. Try to get like a sustainable creativity works best at constraints workflow system going. And that's, that's what I would do. And I do think... You know, to that point, we're on our way to, we're at 75,000 subscribers in two years on our Think Media podcast channel. And on that channel, all we've done is uploaded originally a Tuesday show. Okay. I also did some live streams on there. Is that, Tuesday strategic or no? Yeah, kind of. Just pick a day. It's kind of like not Monday, the okay. work week's going. If you study the curve of like email open rates and like social media engagement, it usually ramps up. Monday and then peaks on Wednesday and ramps down on Friday and is lowest on the weekend. Yeah. Of course that depends on, on niche, on niche, but we're kind of sure, professional. Sure. So, and so it's like Tuesday morning, we try to go 3 a.m. Cause that's 6 a.m. on in New York mm-hmm. and we schedule upload that. And so it's intentional. I don't know if it matters that much, but okay. it is definitely thoughtful. And then I do a couple other shows there. So I'll do like coffee with Cannell, which doesn't, it may get chopped up, but doesn't go on the audio podcast. Okay. It's just a, live Q&A show where I'll kind of teach the first 15 minutes. And then we have uploaded clips and we're not, our clip game isn't even going well. The thing for us that's interesting is we'll use our podcast channel and stuff that's that's great or even clips of the 30 minute podcast actually go on Think Media. Yeah, yeah I was going to say they, go on the big channel. They actually yeah. go on the big <laughs> channel, kind of like edited down. But they link more. back. Yeah, they may to, link back or they may stand alone. Okay. So it's a little bit unique for us. But all that to say is with our starting influence, with the amount of hustle and grind we've had to put in, we will hit 100,000 subscribers in about two and a half years. And that's not even super fast. If you were really gonna try to go really fast, 
I mean, this is even dependent upon the niche. If yeah. you were like, well, I'm going to try to make content like Mr. Beast, yeah. well, that's entertainment. It's going to be a younger audience. I, I don't think someone listening to that is this is thinking that way. So I also would, would lean more towards slow and steady wins. I know we all want to grow fast, of course, yeah. but like our, the correlated business impact, of course, of our podcast, I completely agree with you. The asset of the audio and the quality of the audio audience yeah. is layered on top of that. There's some virality and awareness and brand that's happening, but also starting a new channel from scratch was helpful for us because we started the channel with a very clear value prop that attracted a more serious audience. Mm. My 2 million subscriber YouTube channel is a mix of, you know, Minecraft 42 leaving comments <laughs> because we had a YouTube tip video and, and a professional where it's kind of like, it's a very business minded using YouTube for business is what our Think Media podcast channel will be all about. And that was yeah. helpful as well. So, so even I would rather have 75,000 really great subscribers yeah. than Action try to get to, yeah, yeah, to try to get to a hundred thousand as fast as possible. But following that framework would get you there, especially as you master the clips yeah. with great titles, topics. And I think a good example of this would be JRE, Joe Rogan Clips. And I think Valuetainment's doing well as well. They're doing 50 YouTube uploads a week. Valuetainment? Valuetainment the, across multiple channels. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Value, they have like Valuetainment Clips, they have the PBD podcast channel, they have a yeah. couple other shows. And basically they've got shows and clips from the shows. That's the model. Got it. So does each show have its own clips channel then with them? I do not think so. I think they gather value clips. Yeah, because valuetainment, yeah, it's sort of a is the big brand. It's the media property. That it's the building. media property. Yeah. And multiple different shows have their own channels. Sure, sure. And then and then it goes back to this is why you would just want somebody thoughtful, because strategically you start asking, some stuff shouldn't be uploaded here. Yeah, sure. Sure. But why are we limiting other stuff that should? Like Oh, this show needs to be here. That like, no, who cares? Like, right. what what are we trying to do here? So it's smart, you know, you know, being thoughtful about that, but then realizing, yeah. I think that we can get too in our own heads. Yeah. I, in fact, I know we can. People like coach happens all the time. Absolutely. What, but if I name the show this, then I couldn't upload it on my Instagram account. That's my personal name. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> no one even knows the name of anything. They're barely. You just need to get discovered. Like, yeah. and it, it, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Maybe you change that later. But honestly, stop overthinking about yeah. overthinking it. It's just post content and and do it intentionally. So that's definitely what they're doing. Yeah, it definitely seems like a strategic volume play. Almost, it's like like how yeah. how can we post as much content as we can that still maintains high quality yes so that we can see what content we need to keep posting at volume <laughs> it is a I mean? volume like, i know i know gary was <clears throat> saying that he was thinking about writing a book called volume yeah i don't know if he ever will and he had his whole 67 piece of content a day right. gary spoke at our event and i asked him i said gary you wrote a thing about 67 pieces of content he goes I just made that number up like 67. Yeah. It goes, it's arbitrary. It's an arbitrary yeah. number. Volume is the answer though. Right. Like more if it's quality and, and not even being overly judgmental about the quality because it might just be on your iPhone, some random sure. take on something, but just, yeah. And, and dropping that content in multiple places. It's yeah. unbelievable. The amount of business opportunity, open doors, totally. things the clips could lean to. Just testing stuff. Like the, the other day, we just, um, we were talking through a couple like strategy things. And uh, I, I say we, my content director, Eric's behind there on the camera. And we're talking through like a couple strategies that we're doing. And it was just like, I like sometimes talking through stuff while I smoke a cigar, just like gives me uh, something to do. And it like helps my brain think a little bit more, I think. And so we, we went to the garage and I was just smoking and we're like, let's pop up the camera and just do a couple clips. And so typically we like to be like in the studio and you have the nice mic set up and the background and the logo and the lighting and all that stuff. 
So that day we just pulled the car out of the garage, sat down in front of the white wall in the garage with a cigar, and he just popped on the little shotgun mic on the camera and just started asking some questions. We threw out some clips and like two or three of those clips have done better than all of our highly produced content did that entire week. You know, it was just a, such a reminder of just like, you know what, just don't overthink it. Just create some stuff, throw it out there and see what people start engaging with and interacting with and see if it, see if that fits with where you're trying to go. And then just repeat, rinse and repeat and keep doing the same thing. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. On the YouTube thing specifically, I know you said uh, we're talking about volume there. Is it more important or less important to have volume rather than consistency or consistency rather than volume? Meaning that should you be going from like, we did seven this week, but like next week we only came up with three. And then the week after that, we came up with 12. Like, should it be this kind of inconsistent volume thing? Does that start messing with the algorithm at all? Or is it just like, let's do five a week. And when we say five a week, we're doing five a week, no matter what. On YouTube, if you upload, I believe more than two, they won't get a notification for the third. Okay. Subscribers. In some cases. Per week. Per day. Oh, per day. Uh, And if... And so our typical cadence is never to upload more than one a day. Yeah. We're, we, as a tech channel on our main channel, we talk about cameras and lighting and stuff. We're going to be doing two around Black Friday. We'll do like, I'll do a live stream at really early and then we'll do another one later or we might, or we might do a short and a full length in a day. But typically I would recommend if you even want to do volume, one a day is a pretty good cadence on YouTube. The other example is just say F it and just, pedal to the metal yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 a day Spray and pray. 22 yeah. <laughs> there's there's a cool channel that's worth studying for business owners called uh one rental at a time michael zuber okay and he uploads 419 videos in the last month 
And his model is, <laughs> oh uh, and he's like, a, Wait, what mean, is it called? One rental at a time. And I love him too. He has a cool show called uh, Daily Financial News. Really smart economics guy. And he just keeps me in, in the know. But the way he does it is no editing. And he doesn't really go live. He goes live with his Daily Financial News. But what he does is he brings on experts. And then he'll take, like, if, if you were going to bring me on, on Zoom, nonetheless, yeah. Zoom of all things too. I'm pretty sure it's not even that fancy. And no editing, and he just hits record, and he talks about one topic, and he'll do three topics with each expert. So if he talks to someone in a day, and he has three 30-minute conversations, that's nine videos. And so, because three questions per person, yeah, 10-minute about clips, and then he's just dropping them. And then some of them get chopped into shorts. So he has some systematization. He's, he's on his way to a million views in a month. And so he's definitely going to volume play. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, and I actually, it's just kind of one of my favorite channels because it's like real real estate investors that are just kind of talking on a raw level. And it's almost like a little bit of that talk show, kind of just a nice channel to turn on. Smart people are coming on. Yeah. And you can pick and choose which, which episodes you want to watch. And then he's doing a great with the daily financial news. So to that point, He's definitely going the volume play and that is a strategy. And I think why it's also worth studying is people overthink production value. Totally, dude. Yeah, he, these are, he, he I mean, starts some them, of these are just on people's them. phones. Yeah, and they're not yeah. edited. Yeah. None of them are. It's literally just, uh, just a uh, face I'm familiar with, Pace Morby, he's a client of ours. Yep. And he's on here just like literally walking through the halls at his office with his phone and this guy's on Zoom. Yep. Like, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And so- Kyle Stanley's on here too. Really that's cool, funny. really cool like way of thinking about volume. So I'd go back huh. to say- the thing about YouTube though, is it is a leveraged platform, meaning it's a tough debate between quality and quantity. Yeah. I would pick quality. Okay. Maybe quantity when you're getting started because you're not even able to create quality yet because sure. you're building your voice, whatever. Sure. Do 50 to hundred videos because you're just getting your cadence down. You'd probably say interview hundred people before you even kind of start getting good at interviews. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you, you just get better over time. It doesn't mean you can't have great results on the journey there, but at some point, the power of YouTube is you can create a great video today that keeps getting viewed for weeks, months, and years to come. And that's one of my biggest messages. We have 10-year-old videos. In fact, we just studied one on a coaching call, our YouTube bootcamp. So I pulled it up. It got 3,600 views. It's 12 years old. 3,600 views in the last year. It made $16. It talks about an Amazon of product. So it probably made a couple hundred dollars of this Amazon. Product. It's a 12 year old video. That's crazy. People yeah. say passive income doesn't exist. I'm like, okay, maybe not for well, you. That's pretty passive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It does for me. All I know is like, and like, yeah, well you, and, and obviously at some point you had to set an emotion that's unique to YouTube. It's very yeah. much, and very, it, it's very a true. very specific yeah. long tail niche accessory to a niche camera. Does it work in every niche, every topic? No, but it, it does in certain areas. And, and the punchline being, if you put in quality, and by the way, this video wasn't even quality, but what was quality about it? Clear topic, clear thumbnail, clear title. And I explained and kind of unboxed and gave a tutorial around something very practical. We've all probably watched that. We're like, what pressure washer should I buy? We go to YouTube, some guy who's filming on his phone that's like drunk, but we're like, <laughs> this guy's got a shop full of tools. Like he's, right. he knows what he's talking Seems about. Seems credible. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's like showing it and he's like, oh yeah, I didn't even know about PSI. And like, and, yeah. and I bought a pressure washer that way. Cause I was like, you know, on YouTube looking, it was the information I wanted yeah. positioned. Well, I'm trying to decide, am I getting a Honda pressure washer or a Ryobi, whatever. And so all that to say is 
I would be much more thoughtful about going slow and putting out quality pieces of content that can get views for weeks, months, and years to come. The key term is evergreen. Yeah. I grew up in Seattle, Washington, evergreen trees. They're they're green all year long. They're not, this is not covering news. Yeah. This is not jumping on trending, trending topics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is jumping on valuable information for weeks, months, and years to come. And the momentum that builds around that is what we're experiencing at Think Media. We get about we get about 250,000, 300,000 views every two days. I would argue 80% of that would keep going for a year without stopping. With no new uploads. With no new uploads. And then it would drop 20%, 20%, 20%. To that point, it's fascinating. Our video influencers channel, we have not uploaded in in a couple of years, still makes 20 grand a year. Wow. Um, Just from old videos that keep getting viewed. This is a very Just from Google AdSense. Google AdSense. We just, uh, the channel's completely ignored at this yeah, point. Yeah. But that's pretty cool. And no that's, that's another passive income. For a dead channel, I mean, that's not yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like a full time VA or a part time employee. Or it's wild. Yeah, and, and I agree with the passive income critics. Yeah. We put in a Herculean amount of effort creating all sure, that content. Sure. Yeah. But nevertheless, I definitely have forgotten about it. I'm taking a nap yeah, right. and getting paid. And so it is work you did. Yes. And, and this is for smart business owners. They understand leverage. Leverage yeah. is a big deal. And that's real leverage. Like, totally, okay, I want totally. the work I do today to just be able to produce for me tomorrow. Yep. Even if I have to work really hard. You don't got to like the, the whole goal is to not have to wake up and go hunt every day for the rest of your life. Yes. It's like some people will always do that every day. They're 62 years old. They wake up and they got to go hunt. Uh-huh. And it's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like only hunt if I want some you know, gourmet meal, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like um, I'm only hunting when I want to, if I have the freedom to choose, you know? So this show exists, bro, because we're, we're really trying to help people in an age where we're the most connected. I also feel like we're the most disconnected we've ever been. Um, And it's kind of like this social isolation phase that we're going through, especially with virtual work. And I find that it's more difficult now as an adult to make friends than it was when, when, when we were younger. And for a multitude of reasons, number one being that like when I was in high school, you know, I think I got my first iPhone, I bought it myself. It was my senior year, like halfway through my senior year. Like this was, you know, pre smartphones and everybody being connected in that sense. And so there's, you know, the first reason, but the second reason is also just because we're not constantly doing social activity with people our age. Right. So as adults, it's, kind of difficult to make friends. You start having kids, you know, you think like life happens, you grow up and then you all of a sudden turn around you're 50 and your kids are out of the house and they're just like, oh, what happened? What happened to my social life? You know, it doesn't exist. So um, this show is kind of like a, a combination of like making friends and networking because obviously my show before was called Build Your Network. And so basically what we realized after creating 800 episodes of that show was this is basically the same activity as making friends if you're doing it the right way. That like networking, making friends, it's the same thing. So a question for you would be, tell us really just like, we want, I want to hear a story from you about a recent friendship that you made in the last, you know, two to three years as an adult during COVID, having a virtual team with a virtual company, a friendship that you've made in the last couple of years and how that friendship came about. Yeah. So the person who comes to mind is Mike Signorelli. He's a pastor in New York. He's a YouTuber. He just hit a hundred thousand subscribers. Nice. And we were just recently on a, um, a Israel trip to the Holy land. I went with my friend Ruslan, Jeff Moores, which was cool. Cause I've known Jeff since 2003, got me into video. Wow. Bruce Lawn since 2010. He was an interview on our show back then nice. as a Christian hip hop artist. He came on our show 
we met him then. They've kind of stayed connected. Fast forward to today, he just he's got a couple of different YouTube channels, a couple hundred thousand subscribers. And uh, I think it was Ruslan who introduced me to Mike, who I originally just met on Zoom, but he was able to come to this trip last minute. So we recently just really connected. I think that super humble guy uh, has become a friend and through the touch point of, I think first, maybe he had me on his show. So I think that def- definitely when you can give value and the power of starting an interview show is just, it's unbelievable how yeah. powerful it is. Yeah. You can, you start to get to know people, which it's like dating, honestly, too, totally. because it's, yeah. you get to date the person. You're like, oh, they seem cool. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> they decided to spend some time with me. 100%. <laughs> and, and it's a way to like spend some focused time to also say, well, we have a lot in common yeah. or we don't. So like we can be at different depths, like maybe we'll kind of be acquaintances. Maybe we really resonate. And so I think it started with him maybe adding, someone said we needed to connect. Actually, I saw an ad from him and I saw him with somebody else that I knew. He was like gonna do a workshop. And so I was like, hey, I saw this. And he's like, let's jump on a Zoom. And then I launched my book and he was willing to create a stream for us. Then he came to Israel. And, and now I'm talking about him here and elsewhere. But I think maybe the big unlock is, I do think that, this is just my perspective, when you're, I, yeah, I'd say type A like me, when you're driven, when you're ambitious, yeah. when you know what you're doing and you know what you're doing, like there's only a couple of things I'm doing with two kids, family. So I, right. you know, and basically it's like family and think media. I've learned that I, I can't do a lot of other things right now, totally. yeah. uh, run a company and, and try to run a family and try to stay healthy. And so I think that who you are running with really the synergy of that is when there's commonalities. Yeah. He's also doing family, shared interest of wanting, shared interest in our faith shared interest in YouTube, shared interest in social media. And then some of those distinguishing factors of, of just humility, no ego, people that are cool to hang out. No, it doesn't snow weird vibes with like totally. yeah, yeah. people trying to, you know, like who, who's got the bigger yeah, channel. The positioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so, so you're able yeah. to also kind of filter that to just kind of catch people's vibe after a few touch points. And then just really resonate to see like, man, we really synergize and sync on a lot of areas. And so uh, I would say we just were texting this morning and audio message back and forth. And so that's a recent friendship. And I think it has come from this world of content creation, collaboration by having different people on shows. You could date a lot of people that way with also no expectations. I think that's also cool. It's always right. no expectations. Exactly. Like he doesn't have any expectations. I don't. It's always serve and add value and see what happens kind of organically. And I mean, we're at a place where, you know, I got a place to stay in New York with him and his family if, you know, because we were able to kind of have, and I would also, that was over maybe almost a year's time, not like a ton of touch points, like six months ago, touch point or eight months, another touch point, Israel thing came up. That was obviously a pretty extraordinary amount of time with somebody, but nevertheless, nevertheless, it really all started from this cool world of content creation podcasting, live streaming on YouTube. In this case, he had a show, willingness to give first to kind of open up that door, add value, and then letting things develop organically. All right, dude. So we're coming up on time here. I want to move into the final segment. This is something I call the friendship accelerator. Yes. All right. So just kind of quick questions. Okay. If you don't want to answer, say pass. I have a ton of them here. So I'm just going to go through a few of them. Yes. Uh, If you don't want to answer, just say pass. I'll move to the next one. All right. Who do you look up to the most? And what quality do you love about that person? I look up to people who, who value family. And so I don't know if it's a, if it's a friend, I mean, it could, Jeff Moore's would be, would be one of those, 
because he's a family man. He's a pastor. And I think about my Alejandro Reyes, same thing. These, I mean, people that value family. So I think, I think family is everything. I think business and all this other stuff matters. But if you, at the end of my life, if I have the applause of the crowd, but I don't have the love of my children, I failed. So I respect the most my friends who put family first. What is your all-time favorite memory or at least one that comes to mind? Well, the one that popped in my mind was my friends, Brett and Shalene Johnson invited a bunch of people out to Park City, Utah and rented a, a house mid run. And they were relationally investing in us and getting a bunch of people together. And they yeah. just brought other business owners and entrepreneurs. And they are people I love because their filter is the same thing. No one was going to get invited to that if they didn't pass like the ego check, the totally. douchebag check, <laughs> yeah. the weird ambition <laughs> promotion check, the sketchy. Of course, you never, you know what I mean? But like just they, they have a good vibes only policy with yeah. people. And uh, so it, it created this incredible environment where they created friendships and uh, relationships. What's the last TV show or movie that you watched that you would recommend? Well, I'm partway through peripheral on Amazon. I don't know if I'd recommend it, but I do like sci-fi. Hmm. Better Call Saul was pretty cool. It ended decent. You know, can't really replace Breaking Bad, but but I think it lives up to the saga. What do you consider the ultimate comfort food? I mean, ice cream. And what flavor? I'm a big chocolate guy. I mean, it could be like no chocolate, brand chocolate, though, just double like any, chocolate, anything chocolate. Core, Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> there we go. And so if chocolate's involved, I'd love to get involved. <laughs> uh, that's that's a clip right there. Where do you want to travel to the most that you have not been yet? Australia, New Zealand, maybe Europe tour. <laughs> Everywhere I haven't been yet. Yeah. I guess I've only been I've only been to South Africa, Israel, London, briefly, Canada. I haven't even been to Mexico. Oh, so I don't know, maybe some tropical, but my wife doesn't really care about tropical. So that's, ah, there you go. Yeah. That's, she's not into it. She's, yeah. she's into like cold sweater, that's rainy so funny. Ireland, Scotland, which would be cool too. That's I'm, I'm Scottish and Irish. So that's the, a good one. I recommend it. You get three wishes. What do you wish for? Number one, more wishes. Yeah. <laughs> do it. <laughs> I know it's coming. <laughs> and number two, more wishes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a tough one because I just believe in a world of hard work and there are no, sure. there are no free wishes. Hey, I'll take that answer. I'll take that answer. Okay. All right. Last one. Do you believe in aliens? Are we alone or are we not alone? I mean, sure. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I enjoy all kinds of, I don't even want to say that's a conspiracy theory because people like thought experiments really. Yeah. yeah thought yeah. experiments, but even, yeah, even, I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff out there. What, the, yeah. Recently when they, they had different, the UFO things, and then there's yeah. people explaining it. Like if you move the camera this fast right, and right. stuff. So, and I'm, and, and I'm a kind of guy that's kind of like, I'm open-minded. Yeah. So I'm not close-minded to like the extremes of they absolutely exist or they don't. I'm like, yo, there's a just, this is a complex world. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that just wouldn't surprise me. I totally. think I just wouldn't be surprised in general. So like weird stuff happens and I'm like figures. Complex universe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're just such a teeny, 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 tiny part of it. So yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for coming on. If you're watching, if you're listening, uh, go ahead and pick up the second edition, the updated version of YouTube Secrets. I have looked through this book a lot because like I said, we are, we are really trying to tackle YouTube a lot more um, in the coming months than we ever have. And so... Uh, whenever I think YouTube, whenever I think anything video, first name comes to mind is Sean Cannell. So um, if you're not following, go check out his stuff, pick up a copy of their book and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining us. 
That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.